Hey everybody, welcome to Sacred City Vision Drip. We're kicking off the new year. I know there's been a couple episodes released here in the new year, but with those recorded last year, and now it's a brand new year, new episodes, and so we're coming to you here with uh, a brand new series of sorts, and I'm calling this series, How to Destroy Your Church, and that is a tongue-in-cheek title, I suppose. It's a how-to of what we don't want to do. And the reason we don't want to do that is because we want to to build a healthy church. And uh, this time of year, people are making all kinds of New Year's resolutions. Here's my goals. Here's my plans. And, and a lot of time, if you're going to pursue health, which is top of the list of things people want to pursue in the new year, uh, if you're going to pursue health, you have to start doing some new things and you have to stop doing some old things. So I, I think a lot of times on this podcast, we talk about starting doing new things or talking about things that we need to put into practice. And uh, and this is more focused on things that we need to stop doing. And and this isn't necessarily targeted towards one person, but these are, are tendencies that all fallen humans have um, that can lead to sort of degrading a healthy church um, or, or certainly sabotaging one. And so I wanted to spend some time talking about those because I think these are easy pitfalls that that any of us at any given time could easily fall into. And and I I think when we talk about this, it's like um, the reality is that there are two threats facing the church. There are um, maybe the, the most obvious one would be the threats of the outside world or, or you talk about the hostility and enmity of the world. Um, Jesus says, because you're mine, because you associate with me, the world's going to hate you. And um, usually at, or, or the, the behavior of those who hate you is not necessarily to uh, help you rather than it's to, to hurt. And so there, I think the church is facing, um, the church at large is facing hostility um, and attack from outside of the church. Um, but there's also this caution that the Apostle Paul says in many places uh, that we need to be aware of the face, the threats that are facing the church that are coming from uh, internally, because the reality is that the church is a collection of sinners. That is is who we are. We are whenever you grab, grab, gather the church together, there you have a bunch of sinners. And what happens now? Of course, we're sinners who have been bought and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Um, that we are no longer our old self. We, we've been made a, made a new self. The old is gone. The new has come. But we're still struggling through the process of sanctification, meaning that we're wrestling with sin. And so whether it's missional community and, and church life together, fight clubs, wherever you find yourself in the midst of other Christians, you're there in the midst of other sinners. Uh, and and we ourselves individually are, are uh, we bring our own contributions to that. And so that's part of the reality here of if you get a church together, you've got a bunch of sinners that you've collected together. Um, and with that, we we tend to bring our own mess in. We have our own blind spots. We have our own sin um, that is in effect and is is causing issues, one, with our heart, our standing before the Lord, which we need to deal with in repentance and faith, but also carries uh, implications or carries consequences, affects other people. And, and that just goes to show how destructive sin can be. Not only can it leave you on outs with God, uh, it can disrupt the the community uh, that we have, in fact, um, uh, Jesus says, like, if you if you have sin, if you've got a grudge against your brother, um, go deal with that before you come to the altar. Go go eat at the Lord's table, um, and and so there's this 
need for us to deal with the communal aspect of sin um, as part of our reconciliation to our Father. We need to be reconciled to one another just as we've been reconciled to the Father uh, in Christ. And so whenever that sin is not being repented of, it's it's acting in a destructive way. And sometimes uh, in small bits, um, and uh, in in the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul talks about this with how a little leaven can can ruin the whole lump. So um, using leaven as, as sort of a, a metaphor for sin, a little bit of sin can ruin the whole thing. You have a healthy organism, a little bit of cancer can ruin and destroy the whole body if it's not checked. And I think this is what Paul gets at in uh, Galatians chapter 5, um, in verse 13 is where it starts. He says, For you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, right? That's the old self. But through love, serve one another. There's that communal reconciliation that happens through the body of believers through the gospel. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then here's his caution. Here's, here's watch out for the internal threats in the church. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Other translations say, watch out that you're not destroyed. Um, and this idea, this biting and devour, this nitpicking, this little, little sins that can create a destruction um, in the end if they're not um, dealt with properly. Paul sees this clearly as a threat to our church. Um, our church specifically, all churches in general, that needs to be addressed. And, and so th- this calls us to to examine where are the places in my life as a disciple of Jesus that I am in sin, where I am maybe effectively biting and devouring this little nitpicky, um, nibbly things here and there that are not productive towards building one another up in love and in the truth, but to, uh, in fact, sort of pull apart and and pick away at uh, the body of Christ. And, and I think that when we start to ask that question, it, it leads us towards a, um, down the path of self-examination, of self-awareness, asking where are these tendencies in my own life and realizing part of my sanctification is growing out of these things. It's, it's learning to put them away, put off the old self and watch the new man come alive. Um, and so we should, we should look for these things are ourselves and, and do this self-examination. And, and really that's what this series is meant to do is to help us kind of examine, all right, is there maybe some unhealthy stuff that I'm participating in um, that is actually uh, sabotaging uh, the body of Christ here that, that we want to, in the pursuit of health, put away and, and become more of who we are in Christ. And so Part of that requires even um, not just my own self-examination, but uh, to be able to speak about this together. And because and, the reality is I don't totally know myself. There are things about myself that, are bl- that I'm blind to, um, like in the same way that you can't see the back of your head. You need other people to help help work through these things with you and maybe maybe they need to hold up a mirror for you so you can see um, and so that we can speak truth and love to one another call out sin the way that the apostle paul does with the apostle peter at the beginning of the book of galatians where he, he identifies his sin and calls him to repentance uh, to have these discussions in missional communities and in fight clubs and and places where we're interacting with other church members praying for one another, encouraging one another, and ultimately restoring one another uh, in a spirit of gentleness that we might uh, become this body that uh, the Lord intends us to be that's fully functioning, that every member is doing its part and contributing in a way that, that builds up the body. 
And, uh, and so that's, that's really the, the general premise for this series here of, uh, you know, what I've called how to destroy your church. These are again, things that we don't want to do. Um, obviously I I would love for us to be a healthy church and therefore we're going to have to stop doing things and start doing other things. And if I were to kick off this, this series with pinpointing maybe one of the ways that biting and devouring can take place. And, and perhaps the big umbrella that almost everything else can be put um, underneath is the mistake that is often made in Christian community where we think that my sin is not as big of a deal as the sins of other people. We say, yeah, I know. I mean, I know I struggle with gossip or I know I struggle with um, impatience, um, but that's not near as big of a deal as as Frank over there, as 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 uh as Lindsay on that side there you know she she's doing this that's way bigger a deal but what what we need to do is understand our sin um not on a a balancing scale of the sins of the other uh, of other people to to maybe like well our sins are not as bad but understand our sin the way that God views them all sin is a problem all sin needs to be dealt with and Jesus tells a story in Luke 18 that that exactly highlights this point in Luke 18 verse 11 uh, we'll start i guess verse 9 um, this is what the passage says. Jesus says, um, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, right? So this self-perception of them being better. And he treated others with contempt. So he he views himself as righteous. And he and because of that, he treats other people not as, as well as he treats himself. And then he tells this story. Two men went up into the, the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other man, men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And I would imagine he's pointing across the room at this point. I, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, he would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now here, here Jesus is saying, we've got two men, one guy, he's doing all the right things. And so it seems. And then you got this other guy that is, is just um, entrenched in a life of sin. But the way that they approach God is is very different. One guy knows that he's a sinner and, and pleads to God. The only plea he can make is is a plea of mercy. God, give me give me mercy. Give me and uh, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. The other guy is is uh, what I would say. He's haughty. He's he's proud. He's arrogant. He says, "I'm better than that guy." Um, thank God that I'm not like him. Not realizing that his sin is just as bad in God's eyes as what the tax collectors are. And, and, and Jesus says, for everyone who exalts himself, he'll be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, I want you to be exalted. I don't want you to have to be humbled. Um, I want you to be humble so that you will be exalted and to be lifted up and to, to receive um, God's kindness um, and mercy. Um, and, and I think this is a tendency that we see a lot in community where we downplay um, my sin as a means of exalting myself, of, of trying to make myself more important than what I truly am. And the end of that is is God's gonna God's going to lay you low. If you make yourself high, God will lay you low. But if if you lay low, if you understand yourself rightly as the way God sees us, then it is better to be to lay low and be raised and exalted um, by God.
And so this is something that happens um, all of the time, um, often, way more often than I think what we care to to recognize um, in, in ourselves. And and what it does, it, it creates um, creates a culture of self righteousness, of pride. Um, it creates a divide of the classes in some ways, you know, I'm not, not saying like the rich and the poor necessarily, but, but in the, in the sense of, uh, the, the righteous or self-righteous and those who are, um, deplorable. And, and one of the things that we need to me- to realize is that the foot of the cross at the foot of the cross, it's level ground. Everybody who stands there, everybody who looks to Jesus, they stand in sin. And our, our only hope is to cry out to God, um, in mercy. And so, uh, this this also reminds me of a uh, a quote, perhaps. Uh, it's it's an idea that I remember um, from a book of Tim Keller that he wrote um, called "The Meaning of Marriage," and he says that marriage is the same thing happens in marriage, where if one of the the spouses um, thinks of themselves higher higher than the other, um, more self righteous, more justified then it's going to lead to this divide that doesn't actually foster true community or true fellowship or true intimacy. Um, and so what, what Keller pointed out in this um, is that the way that a successful marriage operates is when both parties treat their sin like the biggest threat to their marriage. It's not saying, hey, well, you did this and pointing the finger and listing out a whole laundry list of ways that that person's in, which there might be a time where we need to confront those sins. I'm not saying we don't ever do that. But in a way that that props myself out up to put others down, I think that that is a um, what what drives that is is really insecurities. Um, I want to lift myself up. I want to I want to get out of the thick of it, put myself on higher ground. So then that way I'm I'm detached from you in a way, and and that that is not that does not foster community, um, really true brotherhood. Um, and so in the same way that if you want to have a successful marriage, husbands, you need to treat your sin as the biggest threat to the marriage. Wives, you need to treat your sin as the biggest threat to the marriage. And together, what you find is the mercy of God rests upon you. Um, those who are humbled uh, or are humble will be exalted. Same thing works out in community. That if we want to have a community that, that enjoys the rich fellowship, that if we want to experience the blessings of God, that we all need to treat our sins as the biggest threat to the community. All of our sins are the biggest threat to the church. Um, and so we need to take this this aspect of uh, I need to, to treat my sin as a bigger deal. I need to I need to go at it more ruthlessly than I want to go at the sin of other people, and realize that if I d- don't do that, that my sin can be very destructive. And so I, again, the whole point of this is to bring us to a place of health, to put off the unhealthy things so we can put on the healthy things. And so I think a helpful view that will lead us towards health is starting off by seeing my sin as a bigger deal than other people, other people's sins. Uh, and dealing with that biblically, not to grovel, not to um, not to have this worldly grief that causes sorrow, but rather a, a godly grief that leads us to repentance, that, that leads us to turning away from that way, receiving the forgiveness of the gospel that is ours in Christ Jesus, and receiving that grace, and then living with that grace that helps us to be uh, more godly, more humble people. And when that happens, um, the the joys of community are unleashed. Um, when that happens, when we all realize that that we're all in equal need of God's grace, that really transforms the community and brings us together as we chase Christ together. Um, and so I just want to throw that out there as the starting point for this series here, that, that if we do want to destroy the church, well, start treating other people's sin like it's a bigger deal than your own. But if you want to be part of the solution, 
Uh, it begins with looking at your sin, being grieved over sin, mortifying your sin, putting your sin to death. And then as you do that, you're in a place where you can help other people do the same. And that is a, that's a sweet spot there. That's a, a context that will be ripe for discipleship. So let us together uh, go after our sin, put it to death, to the glory of God. I love you guys. Uh, can't wait to, to be with you together on the Sunday to worship once again. We had a great time celebrating our seven-year anniversary. Such a great uh, time to look back and remember all of God's kindness towards us and, and pray and expect that there is more good stuff coming down, that there's future grace coming our way. Um, and I, I hope you see that as well. Love you guys. I'll see you Sunday. <laughs>